Welcome to the Spring Hills podcast. Today, we're doing a one-on-one interview with our newest Spring Hills staff member. Her name is Kendra Newton. And uh, do you, how much do you pronounce the T in Newton? Newton? It's a little subtle. Not okay. A, yeah, not as pronunciated. So, okay, you're not offended by my pronunciation there. Mm-mm. Now, funnest fact about Kendra is we share a birthday. Mm-hmm. And it's Friday, which mm-hmm. is today, considering we're going to post this episode on Friday. So, Kendra is uh, new to the team. Um, so, Kendra, why don't you just introduce yourself briefly and just, I mean, who you are, uh, what you're doing on staff, what your position is, that kind of thing. Uh, and then I'll, we'll dig in more to it so you don't need to be too detailed right now. Um, but then we'll go into uh, just some, some questions to learn more about you and what brought you to Spring Hills and why you're on staff and what you're going to be doing over the next few years. But yeah, go ahead. Just briefly introduce yourself. Sounds good. Yep. Kendra Newton, like you said, um, just like the fig, but no relation to Sir Isaac Newton. Mm. Um I've been... That, I can mark that question off then. No <laughs> oh. relation. Got it. <laughs> no relation. Um, I've been going to Spring Hills consistently now, probably for about a year. Um, and like you said, I'm on staff now, and that's been for two weeks now, um, which is... It's been, only been two weeks. It's only been two weeks, but I a- after I did growth track um, in, I believe it was February... I signed up for um, to volunteer with the kids, and I just had a, a blast. It was so awesome, um, just hanging out with them and teaching them the gospel. And you say kids? Do you mean within the kids wing? Yeah, within the kids wing. So I the was little little kids, the littles, the little kids. Yeah, the preschoolers, um, and they're just super fun, especially especially in kindergarten. Um, but yeah, and I just I just really enjoyed that, and I just really felt God leading me towards that. Um, and then when I was introduced to the Spring Hills team, we we thought that would be a really good fit for me to start getting incorporated in that and mm-hmm. working with um, some of the elementary kids as well. So, Are you going to be involved in the school at all? I don't... Th- uh, That's not, not part of your current job description? It's not part of my current job description other than, you know, I'm sure I'll be involved in it in some aspect, but I am involved um, on Wednesdays when we do the chapel. So oh, got doing, it. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think we're all going to be kind of involved in right. a little bit of some of that. Yeah. I haven't heard. I've been told a couple different things. I've been told music stuff would be, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that that entails. But then I was told something about drama. Cool. And I was like, um, I'm not super stoked about the idea of like a drama class or something. Like I like to be in skits and stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not like, I don't want to go be I don't know, a director or whatever you call for a, <laughs> right. for a preschool program. Directing a play. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about you. I like to do these one-on-one interviews. I don't know if you've listened to any of these where I've done this with the staff. It's been a while because we haven't had many new people come through. Um, I think like episode three or four, I had interviewed Brett. Uh, just, I mean, it was like a get to know you kind of mm-hmm. thing too. And then we had Garrett Ward and John Knapp and uh, Erica, uh, John Barrett. We just did a whole bunch of them. Sure. Um, Gerilyn as well who's now gone, but you know, we like to have that episode on there, but I like to just let people know who it is on staff, get people, uh, an opportunity to get to know you. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about your upbringing. Um, and then again, like I said, kind of leading all the way up to where you are now, which how old are you? Uh, 28 on our birthday. So this 28 Friday, I'll on be 28. our birthday, which mm-hmm. is, you don't get to say that too many people. Totally. I, I, do you know how old I am? Did I tell you? Yeah. You'll be 34, 35, 35. I, yeah. 35 but you know my my you're a basketball person so i can Mm -hmm. tell you this i used to have basically i would i would have this tradition where i would just every year right around my birthday i would dunk just to make sure i could still do it (laughs) because when i was when i was like in college i 
high flying jump, a 41 inch vertical. So I was mm. dunking all over the place and I'm six, six. So like I was mm-hmm. up there. And so then it was just like, as long as I wanted to get to 40 and still mm. be able to dunk. Well, COVID I haven't played basketball in two and a half years now. Yeah. And so I'm like, I honestly, my 35th birthday, I'll probably get to play somewhere. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't think I would be able to do it. Um, which is a little bit of a bummer, but you might strain something in the process. <laughs> multiple somethings I would guess um I don't I'm really scared of the I've, I'm very fortunate I haven't had any like knee mm. injuries or like the Achilles or something like that right. but um I've had some other I've had plenty of injuries because I was a skateboarder as well mm. um well let's talk about you not me uh originally are you from this area I am I'm originally from Santa Rosa okay so yeah. and you grew up going to the schools here yep grew up grew up here I grew up I went to um Santa Rosa Christian until third grade and then San Miguel, and then Santa Rosa Middle, and then Santa Rosa High. Awesome. Yeah. And then you have siblings? I do. One older brother. Um, he'll be, oh gosh, he was born in 88, so he'll be... 34. 34. Because I was yep. 87. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you get along with your brother? Yeah, yeah. We're great. We're, we get along well. Um, he is five and a half years older than me, so there yeah, was... Yeah, that's a big gap. There was a time where it was like I was like in older elementary school, and he was getting ready to go into high school, so it mm-hmm. was like... That was sort of a gap for us, but right. um, but once we got back together kind of later in life, yeah, sure. I would say we're really close now. Yeah, that yeah. always, I mean, my sister and I are only two years apart. My brother and I are four years apart, but that was always what I see with most people. It's like when you've got the four or five year gap, mm. when you're the little sibling, sometimes you're just kind of irritating to the older right. sibling. Once they get to college, they, you're not as annoying to them anymore and they right. become more of like a support system, mm-hmm. which is really cool to see when uh, siblings start to become friends uh, in that kind of situation. Now, um, I want to talk about basketball because I don't get to talk about basketball very often with people. Mm. So you played all through, um, basically, did you start when you were playing in like the youth leagues and stuff? Yeah, well, I started in fourth grade at at San Miguel and that was my first year playing. And for anyone that has played basketball or, or knows basketball in elementary, there's such thing as the people who play in the fifth quarter. And that was, as they could so nicely put it, was the people who wanted to play but maybe weren't as talented back then. Sure. So I started off playing for the fifth quarter in fourth grade. And then by the time fifth grade came around, I just really found my stroke. And I remember my first game I played, I was I was playing point guard. And because I'm left-handed, I literally dribbled down to the, the left side on the baseline and just turned and shot. And I did that five times in a row and I made all five shots in a row. So I think that like a confidence booster. Yeah, that really boosted my confidence. And then after that, I think, you know, whether or not I knew it then, but maybe my parents saw like, oh, this, she might actually be kind of good at this. And then, so I kind of started developing more, you know, skills and. And once you see, you can be good at Mm -hmm. it. You become more excited about it. Right. I see that with my kids right now with baseball, like when something clicks and he Mm. does something well. He's like, I don't want to stop practicing right. now because I want to get better at totally. it. Totally. That's, I mean, basketball, I started playing same. First time I played was fourth grade was a youth league. Um, and it was the same kind of thing. Now, up to that point, I had been homeschooled and I just had been watching the Pistol Pete movie mm-hmm. over and over and over and just copying everything he did. And so by the time I got to fourth grade, I had the itch to play so bad. I was mm-hmm. like, I couldn't wait to play in an actual game against people with referees and stuff. And then it was just like nonstop. That's sure. it's what I lived for for the next, you know, 10 years of my life. Mm-hmm. You ended up playing in college, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I played. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say where and. Yeah, I played um, for two years at Mendocino uh, College up in Ukiah. Um, and at that point at high school, after high school, I was thinking, you know, I don't know if I really want to play anymore. And I kind of got talked into 
playing from the coach up there who okay. said, you know, I'd really like, you know, I'd really like to have you play with us up here. And so I thought, okay, well, yeah, that sounds great. And kind of get away, move from home, which was yeah, probably yeah. M- more of a motivating factor. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I did it because I have some of my best friends from there and it was just, yeah, it was just a good experience, I think, to play collegiately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a different game too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you, you go from playing in high school to pl- playing with the college, the people that actually, first of all, had the desire to play after high school, then mm-hmm. the people that actually have the ability to, it's mm-hmm. just a different level of excitement to sure. be a part of, you know? Yeah. Um, your parents are, you, were they very supportive of that? You said they were kind of the ones like, Hey, she might be pretty good at this. So oh, was that yeah. something that bonded you to your parents? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I know that they, I mean, they loved going and, and watching me play sure. and cheering, cheering me on. And of course I, you know, they're my biggest fans. So I love that too. But you know, now, years later, I feel like I haven't thanked them enough for going and supporting me, going to all those AAU tournaments, going to Reno, going to Seattle. I can't believe I know. Oh it's my so gosh. much time put into that Dedicating stuff. all of their time and to money. go. Yeah, time and money to go and do all that, you know, um, which which was so awesome. What you know? I can't believe is I used to do with AAU, I had a, uh, the team I played with was in Modesto, but we lived about 15 miles south of Modesto so it was a little bit of a ways just for even practice and stuff mm. my parents would drop me off at 6 a.m with my coach on a Saturday and then my coach who was at the time to me was an older guy he was like 24 <laughs> and he would drive like six of us in a suburban or something to Walnut Creek and the mm. six of us would play in a tournament and then he'd drive us home and cool. I'm like I can't believe it's like a 13 year old my parents let me do that yeah it's just but it's it is it's a ton of time mm-hmm. it's it's got to be exhausting for parents. I can't oh, imagine. Yeah. I mean, we loved it, right? It was mm-hmm. so much fun for us just to get to playing games all the mm-hmm. time. Poor parents driving us everywhere. Though. Oh, the yeah. Reno tournaments were awesome. Loved it. You said you said you went to Seattle? Yeah, I went to Seattle for a tournament. And then I think one of them was in Seattle. And then I think I went to San Diego. California State Games, probably. Yeah, yeah. California State Games. I don't think I went any further east than Reno. Like, you know, I didn't go like across on the East Coast or anything. Right, like that. Right, I right. know some 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 girls did my age, but um Well yeah. there was like the next level of AAU teams too. Like the Oakland Soldiers was the team that like if guys were getting recruited by Division One mm. colleges, that was like the Oakland Soldiers was the team. And it was like they wouldn't really practice. They would all just show up at a tournament. It was guys from all over, like mm. within anywhere within two hours of Oakland. And so we, there's a couple guys from Modesto that would go play for the Oakland Soldiers, oh, cool. and they would fly over to Chicago and and uh, Nashville and stuff and do tournaments. But yeah, that's like next level. I know. I was never <laughs> never good enough to do that. But yeah, me neither. now, did you grow up in church? Yeah, I did. I grew up in church um, ever since I was little. Um, majority of my family, um, I would say, are strong Christians and came from that you know that faithful background. Um, and I we grew up going to going to a few. Um, and we actually came to Spring Hills when they were at the Luther Burbank Center okay. um, once or twice. But yeah, but then throughout the years, you know, kind of in and out a little bit. Um, and then, yeah. So yeah, I grew up, I grew up going to church. Did you, and you also went to a Christian school for the first few years, you said, right? Yeah, Santa Rosa Christian all so the way to third grade. When would you say you became a Christian? Gosh, honestly, probably not until my late 20s. Okay. Yeah, because I... You know, at the time, I guess I, I thought I knew what being a Christian meant, you know, but, um, by the time I, well, by the time I was in high school, I still, I wasn't like embarrassed to be a Christian or anything, but, but it was more or less just like, 
oh, well, that's part of my identity because right. my parents said so. Right. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it wasn't and your, it wasn't your own. Yeah. I think, right. I mean, I even write on this usually when I give this is like, when did you feel like your faith became your own? Right. And you're still probably late twenties is what you're saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what was the, what's the change that happened in your life to make that happen? Well, for a little backstory, when I got to college, that's when I really started to question my faith and, you know, rather than going back to the Bible or even just talking to God about things, I just went to the world, went to the internet, went to my friends, went to, you know, majority of what people were saying, what a Christian, who a Christian was or what they were supposed to be like, or all of the, you know, hypocrisy that people experienced with, with Christianity. And, and so I just kind of took that on as my own. And then after my two and a half years up in Ukiah, I moved to Portland, Oregon. And why did you go to Portland? Yeah, just honestly to go get away and um, kind of honestly probably explore this quote unquote life that I thought that I was missing out on, you know, wanted to go up there and um, just kind of think for myself, I right. think, you know. And yeah. so when I got up there, um, I was still really struggling with with my faith. And at that point. I just decided that, you know what? No, I'm just angry at God. This None of this makes sense. There's too many rules to follow. I was very much focused on like the law part of Christianity, you know? And, and so I just thought this is too much. I can't, I can't keep up with all of this, you know? And, um, that's when I started to get more into, you know, that the new age religion and, um, sort of that, like, um, you know, relative truth and, um, yeah. And I just, just got really confused about all of it, you know, and I thought at that point, oh, well, this is going to provide me an answer, you know, and you know, oh, the universe knows all and defining myself as spiritual, you know, but not Christian. Um, and then the pandemic hit, right. And then, so I would say about four months into the pandemic, I was just really struggling like a lot of us were, you know, I was starting to get really depressed and, and things were happening in my life. And, um, my grandma who I'm really close with and she's, you know, she's known God for pretty much her whole life too. And she would pray with me and talk me through some things. But however, at that time it was like, it was comforting. However, I still, I didn't want to like give up, you know, the past six years of my life that I thought I wanted to identify as. Um, so then the time came where she needed somebody to kind of help caretake her at home. And, um, so then I moved back home and that was at the end of 2020, I think in November. And that's when I really started to kind of get back into my faith. Um, and, some more backstory. Six years ago, my mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And so that really, you know, that really affected me in, in being mad at God and wondering, you know, well, why is this happening? And I'm, I'm young, I'm supposed to be, you know, living life in my early twenties, you know, yada, yada. And so then, um, when the time came for my dad and I to, um, put her into a home, like an Alzheimer's facility, we, we were praying about it beforehand and I was into that and I was like, yeah, you know, you know, God's involved in all this. But again, I still wasn't a hundred percent in, in with him. And, uh, so, so when my dad and I walked back to the car, just the feeling 
that honestly, both of us felt it was like, I could just, we could just feel God's presence with us. And it was just this presence of peace and just, I wasn't, I wasn't scared anymore. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, you know, take control of all of these things myself, put all this weight onto myself. It was like, you know, God just him, him alone. He really just changed my heart a hundred percent in that moment. And so that was like a huge, a huge eye opener for me, you know, kind of that beginning of wanting to get to know Christ, wanting to, to serve him, you know, rather than myself, which is what I had been doing for those past six years. Um, so then I kind of took the rest of that year from May on really to just work on myself and, um, really understood what it meant to follow Christ and to be a Christian. And so then when I got baptized in February, that just really changed my life. And, you know, God has just opened door after door, I feel like ever since then, you know, and which led me to, you know, really getting involved in Spring Hills and volunteering and signing up for four small groups, you know, and, um, and then, you know, that the blessing of being able now to be a part of Spring Hills yeah. staff, which is just incredible. And we see your dad around a lot too. Do you, did this situation with your mom, did you and your dad become closer through that? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, for the, all of the moments before that and the years before that, it was just constant, you know, bickering or me telling him he was doing things the wrong way or wanting him to see this whole situation on my point of view, which was, you know, so clouded and back then. And so for us to be able to come together through all of that and know that the connection now is Christ and knowing that he's the one that's going to take care of our mom, not us, you know, it, it really helped us. So restore the relationship. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I've always been really close with my dad. So it was a lot like your dad. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're very similar. Um, and so I think for us to be able to, you know, just be on the same page and even just, you know, recently where if we do have an altercation or we run into an argument or something, the way that we handle it or resolve it is so much better than what it was before. Whereas sure. I would probably just, you know, be stubborn and be quick to shut him down and, Lord knows maybe I'm not, I still maybe yeah. can do that sometimes, but, um, but now the way that we resolve things are, you know, Christ based and Christ centered. So yeah. it's like, we, we don't want to keep going like this, you know, let's, let's resolve this and, and learn from it and learn and from, it. from it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, those kinds of things, I mean, I, I cannot imagine the, uh, the grief that you may have with the whole situation with your mom. That's not something that I've experienced or anything like it. So I have no idea, but just having things in life happen and seeing my relationship with whether it's my, my siblings or my, my parents or even my wife and kids and things happening, growing through it. If you have Christ at the center of the conflict or the grief or whatever it is, you can grow so much from it. And we talked about this last week at Elevate too, just the considering it an opportunity for joy. For right? sure. And growing and mm-hmm. so your faith can become complete. Right. Um, so yeah, ma- taking the opportunity is really the first step is like, you have to see it as like, this is an opportunity for us to grow from this because it's not easy. For like, sure. That, I, not to, to make light of anybody's trials or anything, but mm-hmm. like do, going through what you guys went through, like I can't imagine that 
And like, it would be so easy for somebody just to crumble and let it defeat you. Mm, mm -hmm. And for you to just go straight to God and be like, okay, God's got this. That's your first step. Right. And that does make it easy. Doesn't mean it's going to be a cakewalk, but you're going to grow from it. And then you have a peace. That's the big thing, right? Is you have peace of like, okay, I'm not expected to take care of everything Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Right. And it's Um, that, that weight that's lifted off you of knowing you know, this isn't new to God. He knew this was going to happen and right. let him take care of it. Let put all your faith and trust in him. And just the weight that's lifted off when you, when you finally come to that realization is, is great. So you were, you said your mom got diagnosed in six years ago. Yeah. 2016. So you were still in college. Uh, Did you finish college? Yeah. Okay. So two years um, at Mendocino. And then when I moved up to Portland, I went to school for another two years where I got my degree in interior design. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Interior design. <laughs> yeah. What, so you had an idea that you wanted to be an interior designer? Yeah. Well, for most of my adult life, I just really struggled with what I wanted to do as a career because I knew I wanted something, you know, fulfilling and something that I was good at and enjoyed, sure. you know, and I just didn't want to go to work just to make money nine to five and then come home to the end of the day. Yeah. That just That just really wasn't working for me, you know, and so... When I was trying to decide what to do, interior design was just kind of like the next thing, you know, or, oh, well, that sounds good. You know, I'm, I like design and I'm kind of artistic and, you know, that would, that would be fun. And, um, and it was, it was, it, you know, I have nothing bad to say against it. It's just, it just wasn't for me and my heart wasn't in it, you know, which was like really disappointing after two and a half years of school, you know, and so when I got, you know, into doing it job wise, it was like, man, why don't I, why am I still not into this? You know? And so it was like really defeating. And it was like this common theme of like putting all of this pressure on myself, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so it just, it just wasn't working out. Right. So you moved back here after when the pandemic started, what you said, right. Mm -hmm. And so you went to school up there, got your degree. It's very interesting. I don't think I've heard somebody in ministry with an interior design, (laughs) um, degree so bachelor's i'm guessing right is that no it was it's an different? it's a yeah it's a it's a community college it's more of like a um, oh okay so yeah a, it was at portland community college and you get it's more of like a, a it's a you know it's a degree and everything but you get um special certifications and one of it. the certifications that i got was an emphasis in um kitchen and bath remodels interesting yeah kitchen and bath yeah. so this room that we're in right now when i first got here uh, I, I'm somewhat of an interior designer myself. <laughs> um, no, just kidding. But when I first got here, this room was, uh, and I know people listening to this, if you haven't been in the green room before, um, it used to actually be green. Oh. Um, and it was like snot green, like Eey. not, I, my favorite color is green, but mm. like army green, mm-hmm. like the darker, uh, the darker, like camo green kind of thing. Right. This room was, uh, like snot green. It had a folding table. Um, over on this side where the piano is that was covered in a plastic tablecloth underneath had spilled milk that was <laughs> rotten and like Yikes. sticking the tablecloth to the table right it was just like it was disgusting in here so when we first redid this room it looked awesome and now it's kind of become uh, I would say since the pandemic it's been become kind of just like a, a never-ending catch-all yeah. of everything that's happening. Um, so my point being, uh, interior designer Kendra, uh, I might have you come in here at some point and help me with this room. Yeah. Caitlin every now and then attempts at it. Um, Caitlin, my wife Caitlin, sure, not Caitlin sure. Brogdon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, makes an attempt at it and she'll do nice little things like these, these little plants hanging up on the wall and make it look a little more 
Yeah, some homie, plants some plants really make or break a room sometimes. Yes, mm-hmm. they do. Uh, okay, so you've been on staff for only two weeks. Um, what is going to be your your role on staff? So what's your title, first of all? Uh, elementary lead. Elementary lead, yeah. okay. So we're... Um, we're, we're hoping, you know, to really expand our, our youth ministry here, I think, at Spring Hills. And um, now that I'll be taking over the elementary lead, that leads Catherine to take over a lot more stuff and work on, you know, the junior high ministry, mm-hmm. which right now we only have Sunday school programs up to sixth grade. You know, there's no junior high and there's no high school. And so mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, junior hires would really benefit from from also a Sunday school program. And so now, you know, as I was saying, that gives us the opportunity to really focus on, on the elementary, you know, and make sure um, every week we can sort of get on a one-on-one, you know, session in terms of like small groups, even on Sunday school, because right now we don't really have that. So be able to preach the gospel, preach that week's message, you know, whether it's from the Old Testament or the New Testament, relate it back to the gospel and just really get that message across to the kids, you know, that God loves them and this is what he can do for them and, you know, trust him and put your faith in him and, um, and of course make it fun. You yeah. know, that's, that's, that's our biggest goal, you know, is I would say our two, two of our biggest goals are make it fun and let them know, hear the gospel every yeah. week. Yeah. So, which, um, it's, I think that'll be really exciting. Yeah. Um, and so. honestly, like for years I've, I've always said just like, what is like, you read, you read the Bible. What's more entertaining than the Bible? Like it's an amazing story. It's all true, which makes it obviously mm-hmm. even better that it's all true. Right. There are so many fun things you can do with teaching the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so like when I see churches and don't get me wrong, churches back in the eighties and nineties for the times that they were doing them, they were doing them great. But every now and then there's churches that have these kids ministries and I'm like, man, you could really make this a lot more fun and have a bigger impact with the kids. And so to have people on staff at Spring Hills that have that, like, not just teach them, you know, the truth, but show them how to have fun with it also. And it'll make it stick a little bit better. I'm the kind of person that's like, if I was having fun, like, I'll I'll sit here and listen to whatever lesson or whatever you want to do as long as you can make it fun. And so when I was a kid and our children's pastor would do like the, he he was a ventriloquist. Which was just hysterical to me. <laughs> and so he teach the Bible through ventriloquism, which <laughs> I'm just fun. like, that's amazing. And, you yeah, know, now awesome. maybe not having a ventriloquist, but, um, but I, like I see Judy playing the, uh, oh, I yeah, never I know, know what instrument that is that she's playing. She told me one time. Yeah. It's like a it's not box a harp. guitar or yeah, something. Yeah. It's a, it looks yeah. kind of like a harp, yeah. not a harp, but a, uh, like an accordion right. mixed with a harp. I right. don't even know, but she, it's my kids love it. My yeah. kids think it's cool, but. Um, yeah, so I'm excited that we, it also is great to have more resource, uh, resources for our staff yeah. for the kids because we got, I think we have, we're aiming for 800 kids at Adventure Week. Yeah, that's going to be great. the planning for that is always so hectic as mm-hmm. it is. And like, of course I'm not, my job title has nothing to do with children's ministry, but I am heavily involved in Adventure Week just like everybody on staff right. is because it is such a big event. So even having more people here. Working on that now. Have you been part of Adventure Week? I have not been a part of Adventure have you seen Week. It? I've seen a lot of the videos, but not in person. Not in person, but I've been debriefed on you know kind of what what goes down, what we want to accomplish. Funnest week of the year. That's one hundred percent the excited. funnest week of the year. Mm-hmm. It's you know like when and I love Christmas. Um, Christmas is always a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of other things that happen that are a lot of fun as well. But like trunk or treats, a lot of fun. And uh, and but I there's something about Adventure Week that just I mean, I used to be a youth pastor, so like I, oh, okay. I do have 
Uh, I have a heart for kids. Um, I don't have the energy to mm. just mm-hmm. do it as a career, like John Knapp being a youth pastor for a lot longer than I was able to do. I just go, good for you, man. <laughs> I, I went to a couple camps with seventh grade boys and that was it. Mm. You know, I'm never, I will not sit at a table and eat with seventh grade boys. It's just sure. not going to happen. They're mm-hmm. disgusting. I, lo- <laughs> I was, I was one of them yeah, and yeah. I was disgusting. Um, so yeah, youth ministry wasn't really something that I was going to keep doing, but man, I sit out there. I mean, last year at adventure week, we have wreck, which the, not the extreme wreck, but just wreck, which is just the bounce houses. Oh yeah. And what I did was I set up a, a couple speakers for music for wreck. Right. And then I had a microphone and what I ended up doing was I just had the microphone and I just talked to these kids for the 15, 20 minutes that they're in that rotation. And like the stuff, the questions they ask, first of all, they, I don't know why they always just want to throw water balloons at my face. It's, <laughs> it's, it's always my face. I don't know why. So having the microphone to say, you cannot throw water balloons at me right now <laughs> yeah. made it easier to actually converse with these children. Yeah. Um, but it was so much fun. I loved it. I hope they let me do that again because I just got, I got to know a bunch of those kids. And yeah. then at the end of the week, I let them all throw water balloons at me, which is fun. fun. Um, but man, it is the funnest week of the year. And I don't even think it's close. Like yeah. it's just so amazing to see these kids and what it, what it does for them. Um, I want to ask you about bees. Oh, yeah. This is one of the most fascinating things to me. And I've already, you know this because I've said this to you like nine times. Because mm-hmm. I've never met anybody that has this interest. Mm. So I want to know where it started. You have an interest in, I'm just going to say bees. I don't know if that's the way that you beekeeping. Is it, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, honeybees. Okay. Probably specifically honeybees. Honeybees. Yeah. Okay. So where did that come from? And like, what was the start of it? Well, when I was up in Portland, I, there's a lot, I would say maybe there's more like, farmers markets and stuff sure. up there maybe than there are here. I know we have some, but there's just a lot of, there's that type of community that's pretty strong up there. And so that's when I first saw, you know, people selling honey at like farmers markets yeah. and stuff like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And, um, I'm somebody that can like really get into a topic and then I'll just like deep dive deep into it, yeah. it. Like I love going to YouTube videos, like going online, researching, like doing all I'm that I'm similar stuff. to you in that way. Yeah. It is fun. It's, it's so fun. And so I was always like kind of interested in it. And then, you know, during the pandemic when I was like bored out of my mind most days, I was like, well, maybe I'll just like really get into this. And the more I got into it, I was like, the, this is so awesome. And um, specifically one of the things that I got really involved in or wanted to look kind of more into was this thing that's called a flow hive. And I would recommend people look it up and it's, it comes from Australia and it's from this company that, um, is, you know, lifelong beekeepers. And they came up with this product where it's going to be really hard to describe it on a podcast because it's kind of visual, it's, but, yeah. but it's like, If you tell them to look it up, though, they'll see it. Yeah, it's like a synthetic beehive, basically, where as soon as the bees start producing their honey, you kind of insert this long key and you, you know, you kind of break or unlock those synthetic combs. And when they unlock, the the honey just pours out. And it's really awesome because you can gather it, you know, as long as your hive is producing well um, and, and they're happy and healthy you can get like, you know, a gallon and a half easily out of one of the, one of the lines of combs. And there's typically like six to eight combs in a, in the super. That's a lot of honey. Yeah. How often is that? Um, again, it, it kind of depends ish. You, you don't ever want to take any from the winter because that's, that's their food, right? That's the bee's food. So you want to make sure that they're all stocked up for winter. But then by the time spring and summer comes around, 
you know, again, if they're happy and they're healthy and there's a lot of um, plants and trees and, you know, stuff that they can pollinate you from. You take the surplus. Yeah, you take the surplus. And just, you know, again, always making sure that they have en- enough to, to eat. Um, but there's times where you can, um, you know, unload whatever honey is in there. And like two weeks later, you can get easily just as much um, because they've, bees are so intelligent. You know, God makes every animal. Well, I was going to say you know, like how, I mean, how amazing God's creation is. Totally. For, like, and I don't know much about bees specifically. And honestly, everything I know about bees is probably from the Jerry Seinfeld movie that he made <laughs> 20 years ago, but, Uh-oh. or 15 years ago. But like, uh, just knowing that like the intricacy of what they do, the mm-hmm. hive, the hive mentality, first of all, like what they, how they create their, their hive together and, and their, uh, I mean, is it called the queen bee? Is that? Yeah. So essentially in terms of beekeeping, you have your, your brood boxes, which is where that's where the bees are going to start, you know, especially if you're starting off a, a hive from scratch, that's where they're going to cr- start creating their, their combs and their hives. And you have a thing and it's called the queen excluder. Oh, okay. So the way a short description of the way that honey works is they create the honey and which is, you know, what we eat. And then the queen lays her eggs in, in the honey, which then, you know, it's the larva and after a period amount of time, they grow and they turn into bees. So the reason why you have the queen excluder, and that's where in the flow hive, especially you have the supra, the other bees can, they, they know their queen is, is underneath there. And so they go, okay, good. Well, everyone's down there working and she's down there. So let's continue to build up. Let's build this. But the queen can never get up there to lay eggs and so then the end product is instead of, you know, bee larvae, you get honey. Interesting. And yeah, it's, well, when I say gross, I mean it in a term of endearment. I mean, it is pretty gross when you think about what honey actually sure. is, but it's delicious and, you know, God made it for us to eat. I know. So it's, 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 it's really good. And then, I mean, there's just so many things you can do with honey where it's like a second. So now you've, you know, extracted the honey and you can, like, let's say if we start growing lavender or, you know, rosemary on, our, well, rosemary would be kind of gross, but like lavender, you can put some sticks of lavender in there and then, and put some honey in there and wait for that, like, second, I don't I wouldn't say fermentation, but a second process, you know, now you've got lavender honey. So it's like, there's just so many things I feel like you could do. That's with amazing. It. Yeah. No, it really is so cool. And I heard you, you talked about it a little bit at the staff meeting last, uh, two weeks ago, whenever that mm-hmm. was. And I was just like, I can't, I've never met somebody that has this interest. And it mm-hmm. really is fascinating. Mm-hmm. When you say you deep dive stuff, I'm very similar in that. Mm-hmm. When the, something triggers my interest, I will l- try to learn everything I can yeah. about it. Because first of all, I don't want to talk about it until I know what I'm talking about. Right. And so like, if I start talking about it, I'm not afraid to ask questions to people that I mm-hmm. know, but I never want to say something matter of fact until I'm like, no, I know that this is right the right answer right? right so then to do that you have to deep dive it to right. know to know what's going on anyways and i would even love to deep dive even more and if we could get some like you know spring hills honey that would be super fun but i would you know i'll definitely put it out there to anybody at the church who's interested in cuz i'm not as familiar with like sonoma county you know beekeeper sure. you know association or anything like that so 
that's kind of one of my goals this summer is to get involved with like a local chapter here and really learn more about it locally, you know, and get some good local resources here. So of course, if anyone at well, the church Well, it's a pretty is, unique area for mm-hmm. that too, right? I yeah. mean, isn't there, I don't know, again, I don't know what I'm talking, when I came here, first time I've ever experienced allergies was here mm. and people talked about the Luther Burbank, like cross pollination or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, whatever al- it was. Well, allergies are, it's, that's kind of a, so a lot of people have, their allergies come from different plants than what the bees are taking to pollinate from. So yes, you can have honey and help and that could potentially help. Well, that's with what people local, told me. Like if you, if you eat the local honey, your allergies. Well, and, and again, that all comes from like, you know, the. Was I duped? The, well, no, it, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's both true and it's both, I'm not going to say false, but some m- sort of misinformation is like the, a lot of the allergies that people experience are not from plants and trees that sure. bees okay. pollinate sure. from. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I guess if you have like a clover allergy, you know, and during the off season or during, you know, spring, if, you know, the bees are primarily getting their pollen from clover, that might help with your clover allergies. But, you know, if they're getting it off of, like, you know, other plants that don't cause allergies, but they still have plenty of pollinating, you know, qualities, then no, those those might not help with your allergies. Interesting. That makes sense. Okay, so interior design, Mm -hmm. bees, why Mm -hmm. ministry? Or what what made you, was Spring Hills your first thought of it when you applied here, or were Um, you thinking of this for a while? No, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking ministry at all. And that's why it's like a hundred percent a God thing. And I'm so glad for that because like I said, he just changed my heart and really, really gave me a purpose. Well, it really sounded like you did experience. I mean, Brett shared this last week too, and I hope it's okay that I Mm share this when you were interviewing and he asked if you didn't get the job, what Mm -hmm. would you do? And you mentioned like, you'd probably look for another church to work at. Yeah. And he responded to all of us by saying like, that's a calling. Right. That's what you are called to ministry when you, that's what your mindset is and where your heart's at. So when did you experience that feeling of change or like the call that, you know, we can all, most of us can describe like when all of a sudden it was like, I feel like I'm called to be in ministry, Mm -hmm. you know? It was, it was definitely literally my first day volunteering in the kids wing. Oh, I was like super excited to do that. And I, and I shadowed and I mean, afterwards my energy was just like, I was like, I was so hyped. It filled I, you up. It yeah. filled me up. I was, I, you know, I've always enjoyed kids and I've been, you know, you know, good with kids for my whole life. And I, you know, at a certain point in my life, maybe I thought, oh, well, that'd be kind of fun to like be a teacher or, you know, this and that. But I was just never really motivated to like go to school to be a teacher right, or right, anything right. like that. I just knew that I loved hanging out with kids. So when I, um, when I started, you know, volunteering at the kids wing, it was like, oh man, I could, I could do this every week, you know? And so that's what I talked to Lauren about. And I was like, man, yeah, it's so fun. And I like doing this. And, and then, yeah, God just worked. And, and it changes yeah. quick. Mm-hmm. I remember, cause I didn't go to school. I, I didn't do seminary. I didn't do anything. My dad was a pastor and I used to make the joke all the time. People would say, what do you want to do when you, when you grow up? And I'd always say, I either want to be the worst basketball player in the NBA or I'm going to end up in ministry. You know, that was kind of <laughs> yeah. what my, my answer was. The joke being that I'd get paid a lot of money to watch basketball because mm-hmm. I was I was realistic I was I was realistic <laughs> enough to know 
I'm not going to be a star in right. the NBA, but maybe I could get a bench spot. You I know, could still like, make six figures on I the could bench. Be, yes, I could maybe be the 13th guy down there. Yeah. Uh, Boban. I could be like Boban and just come in, you know, 30 seconds left in the game and, and you know, make people smile. Mm-hmm. Um, but the joke was always with me was like, but I'll probably end up doing, doing what my dad did. Mm-hmm. I literally did exactly what my dad did mm-hmm. because he was a youth pastor turned to worship pastor. Oh, cool. Which is basically where I went. And I remember being a youth pastor and just being like, look, this is a lot of fun. I don't see me being a youth pastor long-term, so maybe I'm going to end up doing, you know, something else. Then there was a uh, uh, Easter Sunday one year. I was at a really small church prior to Spring Hills, but Easter Sunday where I was able to get a full band to do the worship music. And it was like one of those things that's like, this should have just been draining as far as like how much work it was to set everything up and the work it was to do the rehearsals. And then it's it can be draining to do all that stuff. It was, I was so hyped after that and I went home after that day and Caitlin and I were dating but we weren't uh we weren't engaged yet and I just remember saying I want I just want to do that like if I could just do that every week that'd be amazing Mm -hmm. and so that was just what I ended up aiming for cool and then ended up here so when you feel the calling of like I'm just gonna work to to make a difference in this way and of course ministry is the main thing because like I said we're involved in tons of different things on campus here it's not just I don't just do music stuff it's like you just have a heart for I want people to know God. Right. I want people to grow in their faith and and grow in their relationship with him. For sure. Um before we before we get going here, I always like to do these rapid fire questions. Uh this time I did I don't send these to people normally. I usually but I don't know you well enough yet to know if this <laughs> okay. would have stressed you out. Some people yeah, I say this to okay, Brett did not like this. Oh, okay. When I did this to him on the cuff and he was just like, "Ah, eh, maybe cut all that." I left it in, but I, you know, he just he wasn't a big fan. So, um there are going to be a couple that I'm going to ask that are not on your list that I gave you. Okay. Um and I'm not going to like it's not like you got 1 minute to answer all these questions. <laughs> sure. I'm just going to ask you some quick questions. So, first of all, we're going to do some favorites. So, favorite movie? Lord of the Rings. Which all of them? How do you I've got to say all of them, but probably Return of the King is no, <laughs> honestly, I can't decide. So They're this, all so good. This is always an interesting conversation. So Tyler Hayes used to be uh, part of the band. They moved away a couple, mm. no, a year ago. Yeah, a year ago, something like that. Tyler and I lo- both, we love movies mm. and we make lists. And so it's hard for me to, I, I cannot put a series as a favorite movie. So like mm. if I'm going to say that St- Star Wars, I'm not going to say all nine. Okay. I say Empire. Okay. Like if that, like I, and I'll put them where they belong in my overall list. Okay. So I don't agree with the keeping the trilogy or if you're going to add the Hobbit in there as well. Okay. I, uh, for those of you that can't see this, which is everybody except for me, Kendra <laughs> did one of the, uh, the squinty eyes kind of look up, shake the head and went, nah. Mm-mm. So not the Hobbit. Um, okay. So Lord of the Rings. Are you so you said the Return of the King? So not the original. That wasn't your first answer. Well, but as soon as you said that, I think I am gonna. I think it's got to be the Fellowship, Fellowship of the Ring, yeah. mainly because I love the like the soundtrack yeah. just of like all of those movies. And so like that's when you're first introduced to it. You're introduced to all the characters, mm-hmm. and it's like the total setup, you know, for this like that's epic used story. typically why the originals are are mm-hmm. the best. I think Star Wars is rare, and the fact that Empire is probably the the most. Um, well liked among the Star Wars trilogies or sure. trilogies, the series, whatever. Fast and Furious is this way too, where mm. number five is like beyond everything. And one, if you say one is your favorite, great because it's the original. 
Five is the best. Yeah. It's not even a it's not even a discussion to me. It's just so much better than any other one. I think I've only seen the first three of those. Oh, don't. Oh, oh. Man. There's an ongoing joke with a couple guys in the band. So you can see over on the wall there where the see the uh the stickers that are on that board. Oh yeah. The two on the side are Fast and Furious stickers. <laughs> I got like 200 Fast and Furious stickers, and each time the band, the guitarists, will walk out to their pedal boards, I'll have a new Fast and Furious sticker waiting for them. Nice. Um, I love Fast and Furious. And actually, fun fact, Jerry, who used to be in the band here, um, his one of his best friends is the guy that wrote the first movie. Whoa. So um, we've got That's a connection. A fun fact. There. All right, pro sports team? Warriors. Warriors by mm-hmm. far? Yeah. You Baseball or anything? Football? Yeah, I mean, local. I mean, Giants Giant, and, like, and Niners, yeah. You Do you follow those? Uh. I haven't followed the Giants for a couple of years just because when I was in Portland, it was like I just I kind of lost touch with sure. professional sports. Um, but no, I've I've been pretty consistent with watching the Warriors. OK, yeah, that's been a I mean, nice little run there for the Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> over those years. That's but a even good time back, to follow them. Back in since like 2007 with like Barry Davis and yeah, exactly. The we, the believe we believe Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, the 90s, you weren't around for the. No. Uh, well, I mean, you're, you're not too much younger than me, but the run TMC guys. Um, okay, book? You know... You're not I, allowed to say the Bible. I'm gonna... <laughs> even though I'm not a fan of... Well, it's not that I'm not a fan. I would probably say The Hobbit as a book, oh. but not as but not as the trilogy. Well, they the split it into three right, movies. That didn't right. help them out at all. Food. Right. I'm gonna have to be pretty basic and say pizza. I right. love yeah, pizza. Pizza's good, man. What about a dream mm-hmm. vacation? Man, dream vacation... Would probably be. I've been like been dying to go to the Grand Tetons, just oh. like for a long time, and so that's just that's probably where that's the first thing that came to mind. Sure. So I'll say that, but I mean, I'd love to go to I don't know Fiji or oh yeah, yeah. you know some nice some tropical, tropical beach thing, location. Yeah. yeah. What about a uh, dream car? Oh, you can say you don't have one. I no, honestly I, do. I don't have a dream car. No, so. I do. It's gonna probably be. Honestly, any year from like 1968 to 1979 VW bus. Oh. A Westphalia, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What if, what would about, about a uh, if you could see any musical artist, someone current, past, live, who would it be? Well, I would say... And in their prime. So not like, not like if you said the Beatles, not like... The guys, how old they are now, the ones that are <laughs> yeah. still around anyway. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, in their prime. I guess one of my favorite artists, kind of throughout the years, I don't know about more so recently, especially after maybe coming back to Christ and getting closer with him, is Frank Ocean. Interesting. Yeah. Another I, another mm-hmm. non-expected answer. Oh, yeah. I, just, I thought you were yeah. going to say Avril. Avril Lavigne. <laughs> oh no, she was she was uh, influential for me. Yeah. How many ties but, did you wear? Oh, maybe like two. I oh, probably rotated were, two. But, but did I, you wear them all the time? Not all the time. It okay. was it was kind of selective. In your rotation. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I right. gave it a shot. I, I I would say I I gave it a shot, but I I don't know if it's stuck. I what, just I'm what really stuck with how long the she's belts. kept the ties going. She rocks them. She mm-hmm. has. She's been doing them for a long time. Uh, all right. What about if you could have one hour long conversation? With anyone from the Bible, and don't you can't say Jesus because that's the easy answer, right? Um, who would it be? And you could ask him anything. I think the first person again that came to mind was Job. Mm. I just just his whole story, you know. Yeah. I mean, of 
what was going through is, I mean, you know, we get some dialogue in Job of of what he was going through and stuff, but just to be able to like kind of be there and talk to him and, and just hear everything that he was going through, you know, how he was feeling, how he felt the rejection of his friends, you know, Mm. and, and his wife and just losing his family, you know, everything, losing everything, you know, and just, I think just getting a deeper perspective on what all of that was like. And even through all of that, still relying on Christ, you know, because as soon as, you know, I was hit with, you know, some, some hard times, it was like, well, I'm mad at God now, you know, and it's like, eh, no, I, I, you know, he, he had a a thousand times worse. And and I would love to say that I would react the same way that Job did, but oh my gosh, when you read through that and you're, if you haven't read the book of Job, by the way, anybody listening to this, if you have not read the book of Job, it's his story is pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, great story. Uh, within the, if you've ever heard the, uh, the song, blessed be your name comes from, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, you give and take away. Mm. Still, I'll say the blessed be the name of the Lord. That comes from this story, wow. um, which is really cool. But which also became one of the biggest worship songs of you know the early two thousands. Right. Um, okay. What about if you could witness any event from the Old Testament? You know, the Old Testament. I there's two that I kind of go back and forth with. So I know you asked me one, but I've got to say both of them. Sure. The the destruction of the Tower of Babel okay. or Babel. I mean, just first of all, them building it, I'd like to see how high they actually got, (laughs) you know, thinking how high they got in the sky and what tools they used back then and all that stuff. And then to see it all crumble, you know, crumble down. But then one, another one that really sticks out is like being in with Jonah in the whale. Like, Like that would be so, I mean, even today, I'm obviously I know what happened and I know it's possible because, you know, through God, anything is possible, but like. How how was he like with all no, like of the, this? Yeah, the I'm physics like, don't work out right, in our own brains. Right, and, right. In my human brain, I'm like, what? You know, and but, how dark it was. How can you even survive that for three days? Right, like, it just doesn't really make sense. Right. I mean, the flood is the same thing where it's just kind of like, right. how how did all of those animals? I like it just doesn't in, right. in my brain just doesn't exist. Right. Like the the logic can't click. Mm-hmm. Um, I always said that one of the things that I would want to see. Uh, within the Old Testament was like, what was it like to watch as David walked out onto the field to battle Goliath? Mm. Like, what was the what was the commentary happening behind with the Philistines? And just like, what were they talking about? Because like, that had to just be one of those moments of just like, are you guys seeing this? Right. This Are you, are we all watching this? Is this <laughs> what's happening right now? And then for him to walk out there, not only go fight, just to grab a couple of rocks, and like this dude, I want to know how big Goliath, like I want yeah. to actually, because if you ever stand next, now I'm 6'6", six, six. I'm not a small person. Right. But even when I, like my dad knew, um, knows uh, Jerry Lucas. And uh, do you know Jerry Lucas? No. Okay, so not you're not that far into basketball history. Mm-mm. Jerry Lucas is one of the, uh, he was on the 50 greatest players of all time, and now he's, this, they did the 75 list, he's still on the, he didn't get cut over the last oh, 25 years, so he's still on the list. Um, played for the Knicks when they won their championships in the seventies. Uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal brain, by the way. Uh, he's called Doctor Memory. He has an in- insane memory. He's a very interesting guy. Mm. He's six eleven. Oh, six six. Now, I, when I when I met him and was around him a little bit, I was only probably six four. That's not a huge difference. I mean, that's seven inches is about what most people you know. You get an average height person around me. Sure, that's what the difference is. When I'm 
when I see somebody that's like 6'11", I'm like, hold on. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then you see pictures of like how big like Shaq is. Oh, my And then, gosh. of course, when you see like Boban, who has the largest hands in NBA history, holding an iPad mini like it's an iPhone. <laughs> you're just like, what is this? So think of Goliath. Yeah. Who and Boban's like seven four, so like think of Goliath, who was like nine feet tall. It's like, what are we looking at here? Like, this is just that doesn't make sense in my brain. So right. I would love to actually see that, like nine feet and probably like you know jacked a Huge. little bit. You know? I mean, like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I know I'm super jacked, but you know what I mean. Um, okay, what about from the New Testament? I think the New Testament. I think being able to witness the Sermon on the Mount. You oh. know, being. I was I was betting that you'd say one of the miracles. Oh, well, that would be awesome. Sure. But I think just being able to hear and witness Jesus talk about the Beatitudes, I yeah, think yeah. that, you know, just hearing all those and... Have and, you watched The Chosen? Yeah. Um, so there's a, yeah. a lady in our church who is gets to go be in the Sermon on the Mount crowd. Oh, or no, no, cool. not Sermon on the Mount, Feeding the 5,000. Oh, she gets to be okay. in the crowd for that That's in awesome. season three because she's like a, one of the, the donors that gave enough, you, you oh, give a okay. certain amount and that's like the, the perk that you get is they fly wow. you out and you get to be in the scene, which is awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I forgot about that scene in The Chosen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's she, a great scene. She's uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I think that's where it ends in season two. So I think they'll start season two with him actually doing it because oh, he kind of cool. gives it with Matthew at the end of season two, right. he kind of starts to blessed are that, you know, he goes right. through it and it goes to each of the disciples and it right. kind of shows the, the connection of like each of these things, yeah. which is re- a really cool scene. I'm getting chills talking about it. I, yeah, I was, I was bawling. When during it was that amazing. Scene, yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see how they do the next few seasons, but knowing, yeah, um, I, I don't know if you've listened to the episodes on the podcast at all where, um, so Justin Overlander is the associate producer of the chosen. I've had him on the podcast three times oh, cool. and he just, talks about some of the behind the scenes stuff, which is really cool. Awesome. Um, but I'm excited to see, uh, he's going to come on again in a few weeks when they're, uh, they start filming season three and he's just going to talk about some of that oh, stuff, which cool. is fun. But, uh, I think that's all the questions I have. Do you want to share anything else before we go? Is there anything I missed? I don't think there's anything that's you important missed. to get to know you. I feel like I know you more now. Yeah. And it's I, only, yeah. you know, 45 minutes and now, uh, now but we're yeah, best friends. we didn't talk enough about basketball, but that, if you get me going, do you, right. do you follow basketball enough to have like your like a top a top ten list? In terms of players? Yeah. I don't know about top ten, but I will say like growing up, I really my biggest influence was Ray Allen. Because In- interesting, okay. Because yeah, I that was like kind of my niche too was shooting, shooting threes. Yeah. yeah, shooting threes and just being a shooter. So Man, did you luck out as a Warrior fan? I know, seriously. <laughs> We've got the Two of the best two, shooters you'll ever see. Right. I don't now, think you're not going to see many better mm-mm. than. And now I, Jordan Poole is like Jordan coming Poole's up amazing. hot. Yeah. Good for him, man. Yeah. I mean, that was one of those. I remember guys saying when he got drafted that he was the worst pick of the draft. Wow. That people were like, this was the, they shouldn't have picked this guy. And I remember watching him in college when he was in Oregon. And uh, he was at Oregon, right? Am I remembering the right guy? I wonder if I got that mixed up. I'm pretty sure he's he's an Oregon guy because my, my family, my brother likes Oregon. Okay. Uh, the Oregon Ducks, that is. Um, oh, go but hol- holy cow, is that guy like turning in like you're, he's becoming a, and Anthony Edwards at Minnesota, same thing. It's like, these guys oh, okay. are becoming superstars before yeah. your eyes, which is cool. Yeah. So we'll talk about basketball more at some point. Sure. Um, I get too worked up. I'm going to ask you this though. Are you, are you a LeBron? Uh, LeBron is the goat or is Jordan the goat? Uh, I'm a Jordan is oh, the goat. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. No, right. I can appreciate what 
LeBron That's where I'm has at. brought to the game. And but I, I don't mean, even have him as number two. I didn't even think about him in my top five, honestly. So yeah, he's number six on mine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. If yeah. he if he were to like at this point now, and this is turning into a basketball podcast, but um, <laughs> at this point now, it's like there's really not much else he can do to go any higher because right. of the, what it's going to take for them to if he wins another championship. It's like you're 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 buying championships at this point, right? If you're getting another one, like he's he yeah whatever. Um, right. I've got way too much to say about it, so I'll stop <laughs> yeah. now and we'll end it right there. But Kendra, thanks for uh, sharing your yeah, story with us a little me. bit. And again, everybody, if you have not met Kendra um, and you can't even picture who Kendra is, um, she is on staff. She'll be in the kids wing. And if you want to just, you know, people come up to me sometimes and they say, hey, we love the podcast. Um, you can go introduce yourself to her. She's on staff now, uh, so she's here every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, mostly in the kids' wing, I'm guessing, right? Well, not Oh, in, no, you're elementary. Not, yeah, elementary. So come and find me uh, in the warehouse. Warehouse. Which is the building, you know, across the lobby. Yeah, or, where yeah. right now it's first through third, right? Right now, yeah. So right now we have first through third, and then fourth, fifth, and sixth graders are over in the other big warehouse-looking building, yeah. which is what we call cold storage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, if you haven't met Kendrick, come introduce yourself. Uh, thanks Sounds for coming good. on and and uh, letting us get to know you. <laughs>